Hello, welcome to episode 28 of the Hockey News on the Dub podcast, brought to you by BetMGM. I'm Carol Schramm, here with Adam Kurzenblatt, and uh, Adam has some uh, uninvited guests in the form of uh, TELUS workers in his building doing some work right now, so uh, just a heads up before we dive in that uh, there may be some uh, strange industrial noises in the background, uh, and hopefully it won't be too bad and you can bear with us because we have a ton to talk about today. Uh, we're recording this on Tuesday with the Memorial Cup in full swing. Two days of round robin games remaining before the playoff matchups are finally set. And uh, so in a few minutes, we'll take you through the tournament so far for the two WHL entries, the Seattle Thunderbirds and the Kamloops Blazers, and we'll set you up for what's still to come. A little later, we've also got the New York Rangers as our NHL team of the week and Kelowna's Caden Price as our prospect of the week. Um, but to kick off, let's do this week's WHL headlines, which include more off-season business and dub players bringing home hardware at the just-completed World Championship in Finland. So, uh, Adam, why don't you start us off with the latest from around the league, including another bunch of player signings? Yes. Yeah, so, um, at this point, we've had over 20 players who were drafted in the uh, WHL uh, prospects draft um, that have signed with their... Uh, teams so notable names from this week's includes uh 10th pick brett lisk who went over to everett uh cruz pavejo who went 13 to tri-city and carson carls who was uh 15th to prince george medicine hat also signed uh their twin brothers liam and marcus ruck who were selected ninth and 21st overall so at this point 16 of the first 22 picks in the draft have signed and uh, all of the top 10 players have signed so it, it looks like this is going to be um, – it looks like we'll finish the first round pl of players who were selected in the draft, all of their signings pretty soon. Uh, 16 out of 22 is a really good number at this point, and uh, it's just a matter of time before the other ones uh, really uh, sign their contracts. Okay, sounds good. And uh, we saw one trade in the WHL last week, and you've got a couple more to report on for this week. Yeah, so we'll start off with the uh, Kelowna Rockets acquiring uh, Michael Cisek, uh or Michael Cicek, sorry, from the uh, Spokane Chiefs for a conditional fifth-round pick in 2026. Uh, he recorded 12 points in 41 games this season with Spokane. 19-year-old center, he's listed at 6'2", 172 pounds. And Kelowna made a point when talking about this acquisition that they wanted to bring in somebody who was a little bit bigger, somebody who could bring some physicality and size to the lineup. So they get that in Michael. And then over in the Eastern Conference, Swift Current acquired Tyson uh, Leventre uh, for a 2026 fourth round pick. Uh, he's entering his overage season at 20 years old and is coming off a career year where he posted 22 goals and 48 points in 66 games. Uh, this is similar to the Kelowna trade. He brings some size to the Broncos as he is listed at six foot three, 184 pounds. And the Broncos now have a decision to make because they're over the limit for overagers. So it's kind of that shuffle that we talked about last week where you see overagers moving around to different teams. So we'll see how that folds out in uh, Swift Current. Uh, sounds good. And uh, we had a report today of a uh, WHL player signing his first pro contract. Yeah, so former Winnipeg Ice forward Owen Peterson has signed a two-year deal with the Providence Bruins. So uh, as people call them, the Baby Bruins, the Boston Bruins AHL affiliate. So listed at six foot three, 205 pounds, 
undrafted forward had 30, uh, 32 goals and 70 or 74 points in 65 games this season. Uh, finished his WHL career with 205 points in 237 games uh, with the Winnipeg Ice. So pretty uh, successful at the WHL level. And uh, now he's going to join uh, former Spokane Chief Luke Toporowski, who also played for uh, the Kamloops Blazers last year. Uh, and he signed a contract after the season with the uh, Providence Bruins. So some WHL connection in Providence next year uh, for, on the unsigned front. Excellent. I'm already looking forward to doing our Boston Bruins NHL report next season so we can talk more about uh, how those guys are doing on their uh, on their new contracts. Um, and then uh, to finish up the section of headlines, uh, we had reports of a few teams holding their spring rookie camps over the last week or so. Yeah, so these mini uh, spring rookie camps, uh, they're run by a few teams across the league, and it's an opportunity to really get to know their prospects and for their prospects to get to know the organization before heading off for the summer. Um, these can be prospects that the team drafted or that they added to their protected lists. Uh, and those are player, the protected lists are players who are trying to earn contracts, the undrafted players, similar to the NHL where you, you get a bunch of players in rookie camps that uh, come in off of uh, that are unsigned and trying to earn that contract. So uh, at the moment uh, we know of three teams that are running them and that's Brandon uh, the Medicine Hat and Regina. So um, these aren't required by the league. Most of the teams just use the training camp in the fall to better assess the players. Um, but yeah, this is just a great opportunity for everybody to get to know each other, like to really see what you have in the system and uh, maybe compare how the players looked before the off season and after the off season to see how they really progressed. If they've, become faster, stronger, you know, all those things that teams look for. So it it's it's one of those where some people view it as an advantage to have just because you get a first look at your newest players. Got it. Um, now I'll quickly run through the, uh, the world championship where we had, I think about 10 or a little more than 10 dub players win medals all together. Um, I'll get to the gold medalists from Canada last because in some ways they're sort of the least interesting part of this story because we know the most about them. But uh, I want to give a huge shout out to former Medicine Hat Tiger Christian Rubens, who became a national hero for Latvia by scoring the tying goal and the overtime winner in the bronze medal game against the USA. So that brings Latvia a world championship medal for the first time in IHF history. And uh, Rubens is a guy who's been around on the West Coast for the last little while as well. He finished out last season with the Calgary Wranglers in the AHL on a one-year two-way deal. So he's now a UFA. Um, he's 25 and he is massive at six foot five and 227 pounds. So it'll be interesting to see if he can parlay this moment into uh, maybe a better contract, maybe a one-way contract for next season. He's kind of bounced around a little bit over the last few years. Uh, lots of NHL GMs go to world championships, partly because it's nice to go to Europe in the spring, but uh, also because it's a great scouting opportunity, especially for players who spent the whole year in Europe. But uh, I feel like with Latvia's success and, and sort of coming out of nowhere to win this bronze medal, that even a guy like Rubens, who might be a little bit more of a known entity, might get a little bit more of a longer look from the uh, from the the GMs that have been scouting over there. We usually see a, a handful of signings over the next couple of weeks after uh, 
after the world championship is over and before we get into the draft and the and the heavy lifting of roster construction for the offseason. Um, there were three other members of the Latvian team that also have WHL roots. Uh, Rodrigo Abels played in Portland before finishing out his junior career in the QMJHL. Rudolf Balsers played one season with the Kamloops Blazers and Rihard Bukart spent two and a half years with Brandon before finishing up his major career in Portland as well. So it was cool to see Portland put out a, a, a social media post bragging about their five alumni that won uh, that won medals at uh, at World Championships, and it really speaks to the diversity of their development program. With um, you know, with it being Latvia, Germany, and Canada on the podium this year, so uh, Portland also gets to lay claim to the one German player with dub roots, and that was Marcel Nobles. Um, Germany also was sort of a, a Cinderella winner, uh, their first ever silver at the World Championship five years after they won silver at the Olympics in 2018. Um, and it's interesting that Germany has now climbed five spots or four spots, sorry, in the IHF's 2023 world ranking, um, which blends the world championship and Olympic results from the last four years. Um, that puts them ahead of Sweden, which I'm not sure is anything I ever expected to see in the world rankings. And they're also ahead of their rivals from Switzerland, as well as the Czechs and the Slovaks. Um, so it's been a really impressive evolution for the, uh, the, the German hockey program over the the last few years. Um, Nobles finished with eight points, which had him tied for third in team scoring with Nico Sturm. Uh, and uh, he scored the tying goal for Germany in their semifinal game against the U.S. with 123 left in regulation, which sent them to the uh, gold medal game and guaranteed them that win. So uh, good, uh, good outing all around from the Germans. Um, as for Canada, they had seven dub players on the gold medal team. The forwards were Milan Lucic, Cody Glass, Peyton Krebs, and Jake Neighbors. And again, I'm not sure I ever expected those four names to be in the same sentence. Um, the defensemen were Tyler Myers and Ethan Bear, both from the Vancouver Canucks. Uh, Bear was injured at the very end of the quarterfinal, so he did not play in the semifinal or the gold medal game. And then uh, Joel Hofer also played in goal for Canada. And it was really cool to see the Canadians use all three their goalies at the tournament because that doesn't happen very often in world championship world uh the third goalie usually ends up being a, a bit of a practice guy so not only did all three of them play they actually all got wins as well hofer backstopped the 5-1 win over kazakhstan and he was also in the net for the 3-2 uh, overtime loss to norway which uh, had everybody wringing their hands in despair towards the end of the preliminary round but as canada has done more than once before a little bit of uh, a hiccup in the preliminary round does not necessarily preclude them from coming out on top with the, uh, with the gold medal in the end. Um, the WHL also sent four officials to the world championship tournament, uh, which draws throughout from throughout the hockey world. So that's a nice feather in the cap for those, uh, those officials as well. And I'm sure they also probably enjoyed their opportunity to uh, spend a few weeks in, uh, in Latvia and Finland uh, in, in this time of year when the weather is gorgeous in Europe. So so uh, that's the World Championship wrap-up. Now into the meat of the podcast, our Memorial Cup update. Um, Adam, take us through uh, the uh, journey of the Kamloops Blazers so far, who are one and one Yeah, so um, an interesting start to the tournament. Uh, let's just say that for uh, Kamloops, as they played uh, the Quebec Ramparts, who are the uh, QMJHL uh, representatives, and lost uh, two games during the entire uh, postseason. So... 
They fell to the Ramparts 8-3 to in the tournament opener. Um, it was their first game in uh, 18 days, so there was a little bit of rust. Uh, they did start well, but you could tell that they, as the game went on, they there was just something like that. It, maybe, it, maybe it was the 18 days off. They kind of lost momentum later on in the game, uh, which led to Quebec putting up eight goals. Uh, for Quebec, uh, James uh, Malatesta scored a hat-trick while Logan Stankoven led the way for Kamloops with three assists. Um, the Blazers did a good job of generating shots, uh, finishing the game with 30, but they just couldn't generate the high danger chances that led to uh, goals at even strength. And uh, we talked about, uh, or if you watch the broadcast, this was talked about, you know, there's a lot of pressure playing in front of such a established alumni. Mark Recchi was on the um, po- pregame show uh, before one of the games talking about how he went down and talked to the Blazers before the game. So just imagine, you know, a Stanley Cup winner uh, who played for the Kamloops Blazers in Kamloops coming down and talking to your team when you're a 19, 18-year-old. So, yeah, there was definitely a lot of pressure, and you could see how that did affect the game. Um, but, yeah, Quebec is has proven throughout the tournament, as we'll talk about a little bit later, that they're just – they're. There, there's a reason that they were as dominant as they were throughout the whole regular season. And this was really a lesson for Kamloops and hopefully will serve them well uh, going forward. And then uh, jumping over to their second game for the Peets, which went, uh, I would say, a little bit better. Uh, <laughs> they won 10-2 uh, to two against Peterborough with uh, Logan Stankoven once again leading the way with a goal and four assists. He's now up to eight points in two games. So if you compare that to last year's tournament, the tournament leaders who played four and five games had eight points. Logan Stankoven has eight points in two games. So, I mean, yeah, it's... uh, I'll let you talk about Logan Stankoven a little bit (laughs) later, but uh, in total, nine different goal scorers and 14 players recorded points. Uh, Kamloops added another four goals on the power play, meaning that they've scored six of their 13 total goals throughout the tournament on the man advantage. Um, Peterborough, uh, they looked tired throughout the game. They had played the day before versus Seattle. So we're, even though they are 19 year olds, you know, Peterborough, they played, they played over 15 or they played around 15 games this month alone. They've had cross country travel. They didn't have a ton of time off between the OHL final and the Memorial Cup. So, you know, they're, performance in that game is not overly surprising maybe 10 goals is a little bit surprising but it wasn't a game where like Kamloops Dom was was by far the better team but I you know it it was definitely a Peterborough was really tired and that's why they allowed 10 goals type of game Um, and then a scary moment late in the third as uh, defenseman Kyle Masters fell into the corner boards awkwardly and had to be stretched off the ice on uh, Monday, uh, Coach Sean Clouston said Masters is okay, but he'll miss uh, the end of the tournament. Uh, the good news on the Masters story is that uh, Clouston also mentioned, A, that um, that Masters has been released from hospital. He also made a point of saying that it was a lower body injury, which I guess is, uh, you know, just sort of driving home the fact that it's not any kind of a spinal issue. And uh, Masters did stop by practice on Monday to say hi to his teammates. So I'm sure they were all relieved to see him up and about and, uh, and, and uh, you know, 
being able to to come by the rink and say hello. So even though uh, his tournament is over from a playing point of view, and it was uh, awful to see it end like that, and when the game was already so well in hand and it was so late in the game, and just a, a very unfortunate kind of a fall, um, you know, puts a damper on what would have been a fun night for the fans in uh, in Kamloops. Um, but they do have one more game still to come uh, against Seattle on Wednesday night. Um, so take us through um, the Thunderbirds, who are also one and one so far. So the Thunderbirds, just like Kamloops, beat uh, Peterborough. Their game was a little bit closer at six to three. Um, so Seattle's victory over the Peets was the first by a WHL team over a non-WHL team in regulation of the round robin since 2018. So that's uh, pretty impressive that, I, I don't know if it's, a, it's, it's pretty impressive that the WHL went that long without beating another WHL team in regulation. Uh, but yeah, it, we got two regulation wins by WHL teams over non-WHL teams in the round robin this year. So yeah. very exciting. Also, don't times. forget that there were two years where there was no Memorial Cup too. So that stat looks a lot worse than it is because there was no tournament in 2020 or 2021. Yes, uh, but still, uh, great on the WHL to finally break that streak of multiple Memorial Cups without a win against a non-WHL team. So uh, in regulation in the round robin. So uh, Kyle Kornkovic, uh, he was a hero uh, for the Thunderbirds as he recorded a hat trick. And he, he, as we talked about in our preview show, uh, he's playing his final CHL games because this he's going to age out at the end of the tournament. Uh, he was the under-the-radar player that we talked about, and yeah, he delivered big time for Seattle. Uh, despite outplaying Peterborough for the majority of the games, uh, the Thunderbirds couldn't couldn't separate themselves until the third period where they scored four goals in the final 10 minutes on, on route to the victory. Uh, in net, Thomas Millich made 23 saves on 26 shots, and this victory was the first since they beat uh, Verdun 5-3 at the 1992 Memorial Cup. So they had lost five straight heading in, um, and it was just their second uh, win ever in Memorial Cup history. So great on Seattle to uh, see that. Uh, they didn't do so well last time they were at the Memorial Cup uh, back in 2017, but they're already off to a better start now. Yeah. Um, and then we move over to uh, what a lot of people are calling the Battle of the Titans, which was Seattle versus Quebec. So uh, before the tournament start, this was seen as the potential preview for the final. And uh, Quebec walked away with the 3-1 victory over Seattle. Uh, Nolan Allen scored the lone goal for Seattle, who were shut out for the first 57 minutes of the game. Uh, and they scored on their final shot of the game, which was their 36th shot on goal. Um, out, uh, despite outshooting Quebec 36-22, they just couldn't beat goaltender uh, William uh, Rousseau. It was he put on a uh, fantastic performance, one of the better performances that we've seen at the Memorial Cup in the last couple of years. Uh, this was only the uh, sixth time all year that Seattle has been held to one or fewer goals, and the first time since the regular season, with the last time happening uh, March 25th versus Portland. Um, and then, you know, if you're looking for some positive, Colton Dock was arguably Seattle's best player, finishing the game with a career-high seven shots. Uh, and then it was a tough game for Millich, who stopped 19 of the 21 shots he faced, with the other goal coming uh, on with 20 seconds left into an empty netter from uh, behind the goal line. So you saw the 200-foot floater uh, put Seattle away late in the game. But yeah, uh, definitely disappointing, but it sets up an exciting game against the Kamloops Blazers. 
Yeah, for sure. Um, that empty net goal actually had me channeling back to Linus Olmark when he scored against the Canucks earlier this year. It was very sort of goalie-esque. I was like, was that really a skater who even shot that? Or did we actually get, God, can you imagine a goalie goal in the Memorial Cup? That'd be insane. Um, but it was very goalie goal-esque. So I appreciated the, uh, the the style points on that for sure from, uh, from Quebec. Really good game by them. Like you said, William Russo played great. And um, the um, Quebec's structure on their penalty kill was also really impressive. Seattle's been so good with the man advantage that uh, the Quebec just didn't give them any opportunities to use that to get any momentum back. Um, you know, it was interesting when they got it to 2-1, but uh, the, the, the glimmer of hope didn't last for very long at all. So um, as we head into Tuesday night's game, Quebec is leading the standings with two wins and has already punched their ticket to the Memorial Cup final game on Sunday. Nobody can catch them. Uh, Seattle and Kamloops are tied with one win each and Peterborough has zero. Tuesday night, Quebec and Peterborough will play each other. So this is a back-to-back -back for Quebec who also have nothing to play for. And um, as we were chatting a little bit before we started recording, um, the Remparts looks like they're going to be resting a couple of players, you know, sort of looking at that, the big picture. Patrick Waugh, um, the Remparts coach, certainly seems very focused and very hungry and very determined to win this tournament. So, you know, he's a guy with four Stanley Cup rings who knows what that takes. So uh, I, um, I'm, I'm intimidated by what he brings to the table is probably the fairest way of putting it. Um, so if Peterborough does win tonight, um, then that sets up some intrigue because uh, Kamloops and, and Seattle will play each other on Wednesday, and obviously only one of those teams can win. Um, so the winner of that game would end up in second place, and then we would have a tiebreaker on Thursday night between the loser of Seattle Kamloops and Peterborough for the third spot in the uh, in the semifinal game. Um, if Quebec does take care of business and uh, beat Peterborough tonight, then the Peets are eliminated. I don't even know if they go home or if they still like hang around for the rest of the week to, uh, you know, take part in the festivities and stuff like that. So I'm curious to see how that's going to shake out. Um, but we've got, you know, big stakes for sure. Um, no matter which way this turns out, because uh, if Peterborough goes home, then it guarantees that Seattle and Kamloops will face each other in the semifinals. So we'll get two more head-to-head um, -head contests between the two WHL teams. And as a WHL person, I cannot complain about that. I am not mad about that at all. So uh, it'll be very interesting to see how that all plays out. Um, what do you, what do you think is going to shake down with the bottom three teams? Uh, and, and, uh, do you still, do you have a favorite for who's going to win it all? Well, I said Seattle from the start. I'm not going to really change that, but I am very concerned about the Seattle Thunderbirds at the moment. Um, just looking back at some stats the like these really blew me away. So Dylan Gunther, we know how dominant he has been. He can score at the NHL level. He has scored in just two of his last nine games. Like, that doesn't make sense. And then Brad Lambert, uh, pretty good at the AHL this year, was good, you know, was okay for Finland at the World Championship. He has scored in two of his last not, uh, last 11 games. And then you just look at the Memorial Cup, like, through for, I know it's just through two games, but this is a tight tournament. It's a quick tournament, so you can't have your star players not scoring goals. So players that haven't contributed any offense, they have zero points, are guys like, Colton Dock, uh, Dylan Gunther, uh, Reed Schaefer. 
these are guys that should be scoring. You know, uh, Brad Lambert has one assist. That's it. Yeah, I think Jared Davidson has one assist as well. Yeah, yeah, Jared Davidson. Yeah, Jared Davidson has one assist. Like Kevin Korczynski has two assists, no goal. Like you're be the two leading point getters or two leading goal scorers on this team are Nolan Allen and Kyle Korczynski. Like nothing against Nolan Allen and Kyle, Kyle Korczynski. Kyle Korczynkovic. Kyle Korczynkovic. Kyle Sorry. <laughs> Got a little bit riled up there and started yeah. down names. <laughs> no offense to Nolan Allen and Kyle Kornkovic, but they shouldn't be leading the team in goal scoring at this point. Like, yeah, like they're they're virtually like if uh, it's just it's just frustrating to watch because we've seen Seattle just so dominant like throughout the season that this just doesn't make any sense. Like something's going on, and you would think that a guy like Dylan Gunther, who missed la- the opportunity last year, would be like raring to go, like putting up points left, right, and center. And then you look at like Logan Stankoven, even in the loss where Kamloops doesn't play well at all, he has three assists. Yeah. So. Well, one of the things, I mean, there's a couple, I have a couple theories on what may be going on here. One is um, there's always injury possibilities. They had one locker room shot um, during, I think it was Seattle's first game where you could see Reed Schaefer with his shirt off during the intermission and a big bag of ice on his shoulder. So those are always the moments when uh, I sort of pause and remind myself of the grind that these guys have been through. And even if it's not something as visible as that, there always can be reasons why mechanically it gets harder for guys to produce at this time of year. So, um, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll always hear about those things on breakup day or in junior hockey. Maybe we don't hear about them quite as much. Um, and then the other thing too, is that Seattle's been playing from behind um, where they've given up early goals in both of their games so far. And as much as that's not like, that's something that has happened to them during the season. Uh, it doesn't make things any easier. And they've shown the ability to come back in the past. But uh, if they could get, um, you know, Thomas Millich, I expect him to sort of lock things down in these big games. And if they can get a good start in the first period uh, against Kamloops on Wednesday, then I think that that could set them up a lot better. Now, that being said, um, you sort of stole my thunder with all your Logan Stankoven praise that I wasn't expecting, because I do think that um, Kamloops has a very realistic shot of winning this game on Wednesday, even though, uh, you know, they're the host team and not the champions. And maybe that's not the, you know, and Seattle beat them in the playoffs. And that's not the sort of first instinct of how we thought that things might have have shaken down. Um, You know, Stankoven is used to playing in this fishbowl in his hometown, and he knows that the, you know, the team rests on his shoulders. And uh, as you said, his eight points in two games so far is ludicrous in terms of production. So we can't fault him for uh, for what he's been able to do. Um, And as he's sort of dragged the rest of his team into the fight, and they got that really big win against Peterborough, um, it should give them a lot of confidence and a lot of momentum going into to Wednesday's game. So it should be really exciting to see if Seattle can kind of live up to its reputation and uh, and make this happen, um, especially if Peterborough does end up winning because uh, there's a lot more on the line um, if one, if the loser of Wednesday's game ends up having to, uh, to play for its life to try to get that third place spot in the semifinals. So uh, we shall see how it all shakes down. Um, we're both heading up in the next day or so, and uh, we'll be there for the, uh, the, the final games and the other events. Uh, the CHL Awards are also going down on Saturday. So uh, run us through what to expect from that. Yes, yeah, so on uh, Saturday, we have 10 awards that are being given out, including 
uh, player of the year, top defenseman, and goaltender of the year. So the award nominees are based off of who won the award for each league. So make sure to check out our episode from a couple weeks back as we ran through the list of the WHL uh, winners. So last season, the WHL won four trophies, including player of the year, which was won by Logan Stankoven. And this year, Connor Bedard is expected to win uh, player of the year and top prospect. So the WHL, uh, or a lot of trophies going home with uh, Connor Bedard uh, this season. Yeah, well, we definitely know that Connor Bedard will be winning the top scorer award since he uh, edged out Jordan Dumais of Halifax by three points in the uh, in the season scoring, 143 to 140. Um, Bedard is up against Dumais and Windsor's Matthew Maggio for the David Branch Player of the Year Award, and he is going against Ethan Gauthier from Sherbrooke and Colby Barlow from Owen Sound for top prospect. Yeah, um, it's just kind of crazy to think that we look at Bedard and how good he was this year and that there was somebody who uh, finished three points below him. Uh, um, like, that's just kind of... Yeah, but he's older yeah. and he played way more games. Yes, but it's just it's just kind of crazy to think that, you know, a high, like multiple players hit the 140-point mark uh, this season. That's so. the new hockey era. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, some other WHLers to watch during the award ceremony would be Thomas Millich, who uh, is up for goaltender of the year. Olin Zellweger, who's part of that Anaheim Ducks uh, trio, who are up for defenseman of the year. And uh, Logan Stankoven, who could uh, uh, easily win the humanitarian of the year award, which would be really cool to see in his hometown. Uh, you know, all the fans and the media there. Uh, and that will, and projected that he's not going to be back in the WHL next year. So that would be a cool kind of final moment for him. Uh Unless they go to the Memorial Cup final and he lifts the trophy. Yes, that would, that would be an even cooler final moment for him on Sunday if they can pull that off. And uh, don't think he's not thinking about that. <laughs> All right, let's move on. Uh, we've got a couple more segments to cover here. So let's, uh, let's go through the New York Rangers as our NHL team of the week. Yeah, so the New York Rangers, they had uh, three WHO prospects this season, all from the 2021 draft. So uh, third round pick, uh, Jaden Grube. Listed at six foot three, two hundred and three pounds, twenty-year-old center has been the captain of Red Deer the last three seasons. Uh, he posted a career-high eighteen goals and sixty-four points in sixty-eight games, while adding sixteen points in twelve games uh, during the playoffs. Uh, he is unsigned at the moment, so this will be something to watch because as of June first, the Rangers will no longer have his rights. Uh, we'll see if they uh, sign him by then or not. Speculation is that they might that they're not going to sign him, so we'll see exactly how that goes. But I'm sure that there will be uh, somebody interested in the six foot three, two hundred and three pound uh, uh, center at the uh, at least in the AHL somewhere. So we'll yeah. uh, keep an eye on him. Yeah, the, I mean that could be settled by the time you listen to this podcast because uh, June first is Thursday. Yes. Uh, <laughs> so we'll keep an eye on that. Um, another third round pick, Ryder Korzak. Uh, listed at 5'11", 172 pounds. Another 20-year-old also set career highs with 28 goals and 69 points in 48 games while recording 11 points in 10 games. Uh, this was actually an interesting situation because he started the season in uh, Hartford with the AHL, played five games, and then uh, was sent back uh, to the WHL after those five games. He is signed, um, so he will get another crack at Hartford next year. He can't be sent back to the AHL or the WHL because he's aged out, but yeah, a great final season for Korzak in uh, Moose Jaw. And then uh, last week, our last one we'll talk about here, 
Uh, we always talk about big goaltenders. Well, how about Talon uh, Boyko? Six foot eight, 201 <laughs> pounds. Uh, yeah, he's a little bit big, I would assume. Uh, yeah. uh, uh, he, he looks down on Ben Bishop. <laughs> yes. Uh, the 20-year-old played his final WHL season this year with Kelowna, where he won 13 games and posted three shutouts. Uh, he also played in one playoff game versus Seattle. He's already signed uh, by the New York Rangers, so expect him to be in the AHL or the ECHL uh, next season. Uh, now we've got a couple of players from the dub that are also in the pro ranks with the Rangers. Yeah, so um, at the NHL level, we have uh, Brain, uh, Brain Schneider, who was the 19th overall pick in 2022 and played his uh, junior career with the Brandon Weeking. So he put up 18 points in 81 games this season, which were both career highs. Uh, listed at six foot three, 209 pounds. Uh, looks to be a, developing into a solid shutdown defenseman. So we'll see if he gets more opportunities next season uh, with the New York Rangers. Got plenty this year, so it's good to see his development. And then at the AHL level, um, we got a couple. WHL players will start off with Kamloops Blazer alumni Dylan Garand, who was the 2022 CHL goaltender of the year and had a solid first season in the HL, playing in 32 uh, regular season games as well as eight playoff games. I know before the season there was a lot of hope that uh, the Rangers would send him back to Kamloops uh, because imagine him behind this Kamloops team. I think they would be an instant favorite. Yeah. Uh, but unfortunately that didn't happen. But good for Garand that he uh played uh that he played solid i know he's in kamloops right now watching the memorial cup because they interviewed him uh the other day on the radio in kamloops so good to see those alumni coming back and supporting the team yeah and and then uh yeah another big player uh seattle thunder uh another big yeah giant player former seattle thunderbirds matthew rempe who is uh pretty noticeable on the ice at six foot eight 240 pounds uh so two six foot eight players with WHL connections in the uh, New York Rangers system, which is, I don't think, something that you can say very often in the NHL. No kidding. And uh, yeah, when you say pretty noticeable, that clicked for me immediately as I was going through these notes, because uh, I was like, yeah, I remember watching like a live stream of a rookie camp game between the uh, Flyers prospects and the Rangers prospects a couple of years ago, because that's what I do in the summertime. Um, <laughs> I seek out live streams of Metropolitan Division teams just for fun. Um, but I totally remember Rempe being out there and how he, you know, was just a, you know, Andre the Giant among men uh, or among boys with the uh, with the rest of the team and the uh, the commentators couldn't stop remarking on him. So, uh, yeah, he uh, he cuts a noticeable uh, cloth anywhere he goes. Uh, a couple more guys in the Rangers system. Yeah. So um, a couple more players, Regi former Regina Pat Center, Jake LeCision, uh former Red Deer Rebel forward, uh, Turner Elson and uh, former uh, Saskatoon Blades defenseman uh, Libor Hayak. So that kind of wraps up what the New York Rangers had to offer from a WHO perspective this year. Perfect. And then our final segment of the week, uh, we will talk about Caden Price, the defenseman from the Kamloops Blazers. Yeah, so Caden Price, a left shot defenseman listed at six foot, 185 pounds. Um, he was part of that Canada U18 bronze uh, medal winning team in Switzerland last month where he recorded five assists in uh, seven games. Uh, he played, um, in, his play saw a steady improvement throughout the season, uh, even though he did drop a little bit in the rankings overall 
from uh, 30th down to 47th uh, at the final ranking. So he's he's a player that has a good first pass out of his own zone, and he projects as a good bottom six uh, defenseman at the NHL level. So we'll kind of see what happens uh, at the draft where he's projected to go in either the second or third round. Yeah, perfect. And uh, as the noise starts to ramp up at your end, I've got a, a fun Caden Price story. If you haven't had a chance to watch the uh, the WHL's behind the scenes um, series, uh, which is called Road to Nashville or something like that, it focuses on a bunch of the prospects that will be up for selection uh, at the draft this year. And in episode four, there's a hilarious segment with Caden Price talking about how when he was a rookie, he tried to go after the team record for most breadsticks eaten at the Olive Garden. Um, and if you are not a uh, Olive Garden aficionado, uh, the great claim to fame is that uh, there are unlimited breadsticks and unlimited salads available with any entree purchase and with a bunch of teenage boys who have high metabolisms and play hockey for a living. Um, you can bet that that's a really, really smart budgetary decision from the uh, <laughs> the team management. Uh, so uh, the coach was uh, Coach Chris Malone that was talking about how they always stop at Olive Garden when they make their road trips down to uh, to Seattle and Everett. And uh, so Price was determined as a rookie that he was going to go after the record, which he said he believed was somewhere in like the mid twenties for breadsticks. And uh, you know he's a he's a pretty tall, lanky dude, but uh, he he went at it. He ate in the way that only 15 year old boys can eat. And uh, Millette said that once he started getting up close to 20 breadsticks, he had to put a stop to it. So, uh, you know, again, even with those insane metabolisms that those boys have, uh, um, the responsible adults in the room have to make sure that they, that they put a limit on the uh, amount of, uh, of uh, butter drenched simple carbs that those guys produce. There is a, uh, a maximum to uh, how, how much that will enhance performance when you've got a hockey game to play a little bit down the road. Um, so yeah, Millet said that uh, he keeps an eye on things now and uh, he's not going to let anybody go for the record on his watch. But uh, Price was was clearly disappointed by the way this all unfolded. He was like, I totally think I could have done it. <laughs> and I bet you he probably could. So we will have another draft eligible player in our um, prospect spotlight next week, as well as bringing you all of the news from the last few days of the Memorial Cup. Like I said, Adam and I are both going to be on site uh, for the semifinal and the final and the CHL awards and all the other awesome activities that they have planned in Kamloops. I can't wait to get up there. I hope it's not going to be too hot. But uh, other than that, you know, that's where being in an ice rink is a really good alternative for how to uh, how to spend your days. So uh, thanks again for joining us. Um, if you're looking for more Memorial Cup coverage, Adam has been cr cranking out content like crazy over at the Hockey Writers. And uh, I've had a couple stories up on the Hockey News website as well. And uh, we'll have more content coming for the rest of this week. So make sure you check that out. In the meantime, if you haven't subscribed to the podcast, please do so. And you can find those past episodes, including our uh, award spotlights at uh, thehockeynews.com slash podcast. Thanks again for joining us and we will talk to you again soon.